make sure mine's gone. Hi, Judy. Very, very grateful. Compulsive overeater. And I realize, you know, I say I am so grateful because it was the only thing that could get me to say yes to God. And I do believe that God called me many, many times in my life. I had snippets, but I just couldn't. I didn't have the proof. I wanted the proof, the scientific proof. And it was not there. So I love step two. I say it's my favorite step, but then I'll say, oh, but I really love this. <laughs> but I love step two because it's a step of hope. Hope. Hope is everything for me, no matter what's going on in my life. Step two, I have a higher power that is so powerful, he can restore me to sanity. And the food's a beginning, right? Step one, I'm powerless over food. My whole life is unmanageable, and I didn't get that until... I don't know, maybe I was back in one or two years because I thought my life was unmanageable because I was into the food. I didn't realize my life was unmanageable even if I was abstinent. I was still doing really crazy stuff. And that's why I had to go through all the steps to see what they all were. So step one tells me I am hopeless. But step two, you know, I look at step two as a decision, not a conclusion. I got to make a decision that I am going to believe in a power greater than me that can restore me to sanity. And that's huge. I mean, if you're a non-believer, or even if you are a believer, that you're believing in something that you cannot see, touch, hear, that's really going to turn into faith. I mean, I don't know how God keeps me from eating every day. I just know that he does. I don't get it. I don't even try to get it. It's beyond me. Um, so if I don't go on to step two, the promise of step one happens. Step one, I'm powerless over food. I'm doomed. I'm either going to eat or I'm going to recover. One or the other. I can't be in the middle. I wish I could. I wish I could stop at gaining 50 pounds. I used to marvel at people who only gained 50 pounds. I used to be like, how do you do that? Because that's not my experience. Um, but, you know, we agnostics, it starts with, and I typed everything so I could see it, if, you, if when you honestly want to stop eating, you cannot quit entirely. I just put eating for us, alcohol, whatever you want to use. Or if when eating you have little control over the amount you take, then you're a compulsive overeater. And you may be suffering from an illness as I was that only a spiritual experience will conquer. So I came into Overeaters Anonymous 30 years ago before my 30th birthday. And in two weeks, I am very grateful to be turning 60, which I'm excited about. You know, it used to be like ages freak me out, but turning 60, the best place ever in my life. And like the cool thing about turning 60 is I don't limit myself now to anything I can do. Like, why not? Because I always look at all these older women who are so successful. So inspirational. So I did come into uh, OA 30 years ago. I was raised with uh, of a Jewish faith, uh, but we did have no religion in our house except for the customary, Judy, cut it out, or God will punish you. That was it. <laughs> that was it, you know? Um, I thought, so when I did come in, though, I thought religion was a scam. It was a way to get people to donate money to these scam artists who were trying to preach to you. I made fun of people who believed in God. 
I did sacrilegious things, you know. It was, um, I'm a child of the late 70s when the whole punk rock movement was out. It was cool to wear rosary beads and like to face anything religious that there was because that's what you did. And, um, but on page 51 it says, and I would have thought this would have been 100% impossible for me. When many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their life, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. And I am one of these people. My life is about God. And it has to be. Because my life about Judy is a nightmare. Um, so just a, a real short history with religion and stuff growing up, you know, I never questioned if how I ate was normal, ever, because I don't remember ever not being a compulsive overeater. And like they say, it was the only life I knew. Um, at age seven, my parents sent me to die camp for two months, and that started me. Nine summers in a row, two months at die camp, and then the rest of the school year, dieting. Uh, a teenager, you know, I went to Weight Watchers camp, then I could join Weight Watchers. So I only know you have to lose weight and you have to go on a diet. And if you do, everybody will like you. Now my mom had this disease, unfortunately, never got help. I mean, she lost, she was so successful at dieting in the 60s or 70s, she lost 172 pounds, had the, the pin with the 17 chips and paraded on the Asbury Park stage when they had all the 100-pound losers. She tried to become a lecturer, no. But she said, and I could so relate to this, the minute she hit maintenance, she started her, her way up. Because here, I came in, I had a great recovery, my first recovery. Five years abstinence, and I did have a strong spiritual awakening, but I think I breathed in one weight and breathed out two pounds higher. That's how it was. So um, for me, I am a 300-pound person. That's where I go. That's my default. I don't know. That's why I say don't know how to gain 50 pounds. I've been over 300 or 300 three times in my adult life that I know of. Once I know it's higher when I wasn't getting weighed. Um, as far as religion, you know, I had snippets of little spiritual things growing up. Um, I remember when I was like five, I was very into music. And for those who remember two guys, they had all the 45s you could buy. And I got a stack of 20 for a dollar, I still remember. And I remember this beautiful, beautiful voice singing the Lord's Prayer. Still remember it and I play the record over and over and over. No idea why, she had a beautiful voice. Although I was Jewish, my mother sent me to Catholic church with my best friend across the street every Sunday. No idea why. And, um, you know, she sent me to Sunday school. Like, just little things. But once I hit high school and college, no thought of religion. The only time I thought of religion, because I was so filled with anxiety and fear, was in the 70s. If anybody remembers, the two popes died close to each other. And I was obsessed that Nostradamus was right. The end of the world was coming. And I was panicking. 
waiting to see if the Vatican let the smoke out or something. I had no idea what was going on, but that was it with religion. Um, so I did come in to program, but you know something, I think I must have been really desperate that first time because I never questioned about God, ever. And um, I just started listening to people, and I have to tell you, in my first, um, which was a spiritual awakening, it was the most beautiful experience for me. On my own, I went to temples, I went to churches, um, I wound up joining a church, I did convert, never in a million years did I think that would be my experience, to be in a church, to join a church. Um, I joined a Catholic church because... It was extreme. I could go to mass every day before work. I developed a massive crush on the priest. <laughs> I was still compulsive, and I was so sick, in recovery, lost all my weight, and I, I laugh about it now. I was convinced he wasn't interested in me because he was gay, not because he was a priest. <laughs> so that's how I used to think. So, you know, um, nothing else worked for me here. Uh, outside. I had to have this spiritual solution. And you know, I was thinking about this, this hung, don't ever get hungry, angry, lonely, tired, because I will have sponsors who call me and say, you know, Judy, I picked up, but I was tired. It was two hours past my meal. And then I thought about it. I'm like, okay, halt. What happens when I'm feeling happy, awesome, I'm laughing, or I feel terrific? I still ate, you know? <laughs> Spare minutes in a day. So, um, the book continues on page um, 44. You know, if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome, you know, my disease, many of us have recovered long ago. I just don't have what it takes. Um, and I'll be honest with you, what I came to realize is food was just the tip of the iceberg for me. When I really dug deep into my fourth step, like... I didn't know I was such a liar and a thief. I grew up very comfortable, but I stole all I could. And I was a cheater on everything. And uh, it was crazy, and besides the fact, totally filled with fear. Okay, so it continues. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than us. And wow, how lucky are we? The solution is right there. This book is going to show me how to have a power greater than myself. And it did. So here's my, this is just my viewpoint on it, right? No opinions, whatever. I look at a higher power as my higher power just can't be more powerful than me or my disease. My higher power has to be more powerful than any other person on this earth, any event that could happen on this earth or in the universe. I can't so I can't say my higher power is going to be OA. What if OA disbands? You know, I need a higher power that is so strong that I don't have to fear one thing happening in my life that he, I do refer to my higher power as he, God, is going to be there for me, you know? And I do believe that. Um, on page 46, much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. And I look at God, good, orderly direction. And that's what it is for me, good, orderly direction. Um, 
although I became a Christian, and no, I do not go to a Catholic church anymore. Ironically enough, I started um, dating someone who's getting divorced. And I remember thinking, what is worse with the church I go to? That I'm dating a man who's still married, or I'm dating a man who's going to be divorced. <laughs> and I knew it wouldn't work, so I go to like a non-denominal Christian church. But to me, I don't even... Um, I don't even look at it as religion, like just who I am and what I believe. And I've actually been thinking about getting a bat mitzvah. I don't know. I've been praying to God to kind of complete, like, the whole circle for me, for me. So both my sponsors, I've had two sponsors since I've been back by miracle of God. The end of December was five years, but I did come back five and a half years ago. It took me a half a year to put down the food. Um, but both my sponsors were Jewish. And um, we all just shared a really deep love of God. And it didn't matter who our God was. It was just that we all depended on a power greater than ourselves to keep the food down and restore us no matter what was going on in our life. On page 48, it says, Faced with compulsive overeating destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect... Food was my great persuader, and where Bill said, you know, liquor had become my master, food was my master. And you know how they say, if you stick around long enough, you'll hear your story? Five pounds of white potatoes. I did it. And, uh, but I wasn't trying to eat healthy. I was just in my disease. And I, I boiled them in a huge soup pot of oil, all cut up. I wanted to make my own french fries. They filled a turkey platter. Doused with salt, barely edible, but barely edible would not stop me. <laughs> and a ton of ketchup. And I always remember you saying about the ketchup, it's all sugar. <laughs> but um, that to me was normal. I did not see anything wrong with that because I was the only life that I knew. And, you know, as far as um, just talking about that, like my abstinence, like there's a lot of food that I don't eat, that I'm, I don't have a problem to, I just don't want the option. I just don't even want the option. Um, I had bad relationships with them growing up. Um, or I have no desire to measure half a cup. I don't even know how people eat a half a cup of certain foods. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That's like a spoonful. They're not on my food plan at all. And, you know, I will tell you, um, the other thing is that, and, and, and it, it might take a little while to get there, but I love knowing the fact there are certain foods I will never eat again in my life, ever. They just will not be an option for me. I don't even want the remote thought, maybe I can have a small slice at that occasion. I can't. I can't imagine what would ever change in my life. So I just love knowing. And food, you know, I was blessed when I came in. When I finally put down the food, the obsession was gone with food, not compulsive overeating, but with food. Um, that, you know, my husband, who I met in these rooms, um, who's not in OA anymore, he hasn't been for years, he's got tons of food in the house, and I could care less, you know. And I don't tell him to go back to OA. He's lost weight without OA, so, you know, the struggle is there. And he, he has a little post-it with his weight every day. And I, I've stopped looking or asking. And uh, because for some reason, 
you know, I started thinking, well, how can I help you? What can I do to help you? He doesn't need to, you know. But anyway, I have enough in my own recovery to focus on. He will do what he wants. Um, on page 50, we're given more hope. On one proposition, however, these men and women strikingly agreed. Every one of them has gained access to and believes in a power greater than himself. This power, in each case, accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. And i got to tell you, my abstinence and my recovery is a miraculous happening. It has to be, because I could not stop eating, and none of us could, or we wouldn't be sitting here in the room at all. Um, and as my recovery goes on, it's always a new level I'm finding of surrender. And I believe if we're open to God's direction, he will put the people on our path that we need to see. And um, when I was four years abstinent, I... Um, you know, I started falling to the, the common thing that I heard. Maintaining your weight loss is really hard. And you know what? It just became hard for me because I thought all of a sudden I had to control making sure I kept my weight off. It was insanity. I put back on a few pounds, and, um, and God placed somebody in my path in an OA thing I did not want to do. I prayed it was canceled. Somebody with an amazing recovery has 37 years back-to-back -back abstinence. Recovery lives this program through and through. We went to, and I'm going next week with him, to a, um, a carrier. They have like a health day, and OA sets up a booth. So I said, yeah, I'll go part of outreach committee. Sounds good, you know. And that morning, I'm like praying, please cancel, please cancel. I don't want to go. I, don't, I just didn't want to go. But I got to tell you, something about spending the day with him just gave me a willingness for certain things I didn't have before. I have um, a weird sleep pattern. Um, it's much better now, but I'm usually up every day, average 2 a.m. And um, last night was good. I actually got six or seven hours, but you know, the two nights before, like four and a half or five. So I have meal times I eat, not before. Otherwise, I won't know when to eat when my day does start at 2 a.m. But I love my day starting at 2 a.m. because I spend a lot of time with prayer and my writings and, and all kinds of good OA stuff. I love that time. It's my foundation every morning. And um, I keep saying I'm going to try and change around what I do, but I don't. And I believe that I should, uh, just so it doesn't become too routine. So on page 54, well, actually before that, um, oh, more... So, we had to stop doubting the power of God on page 52. Ideas did not work. So, one of the problems, and here's exactly how I look at it. Successful dieting was probably the worst thing I ever could have done. Because I was a really successful dieter. I was. And the way I look at it, it's me and my disease in a boxing ring. And sometimes, I could punch down my disease. I lost the weight. But what I didn't realize is my disease was there kind of laughing and just waiting until it got up and sucker punched me. And that's how it always was. I was like, oh my God, what happened? I wasn't eating all that food. I had no intention of eating all that food. And then there I am at my sister-in-law's who always had a lot of the holiday parties. And I'm like, I'll just have one plate. 
I go from I'm not eating any food, I'll just have one plate, one plate, and then she's refilling the whole tray because the food is gone. Um, once I start, I cannot stop. So if you're still reluctant to believe in God or a higher, just something greater than you, on page 54, they talk about how we had been worshipers of other things. And I was. I worshiped, sometimes I think it's an addiction. I worshiped people since I was young. It, it, it just morphed into insanity with people. Sometimes I knew them, sometimes I didn't. It was just a crazy thing. I would just become obsessed. It was like something I could just focus all my thoughts on. And, you know, God really showed me if I don't stop that, I'm going to go back to the food this time. And that was the hardest thing next to food that I had to give up. Because uh, what happened is when you're into that, you know, kind of like that mind thing, I couldn't tell the truth from the false. And I blended fantasy with reality. And before you know it, you don't know where you are. Um, sort of like with the food, when we take back our will and we're thinking, tasting our food. I mean, I could relate to that, which I can't do today. Because what I found myself doing one day was I was making something ahead of time for dinner so I could taste it. That was the only reason I was making in advance, so I could taste it. And I can't do that. Uh, what's going to stop me from not eating the entire container? So what I do want to end with is on page 56, which I think is the most powerful part in this story about the minister's son. And, you know, and here, you know, you would think like a minister's son, like he should kind of have it all together, but here he was, an alcoholic. I don't know what else. He got into all kinds of trouble. It says he was very rebellious. And he was laying in a hospital bed, and someone came to him with a spiritual solution. And he said to himself, "For well, who are you to say there is no God? And then the man, this man recounts that he tumbled out of his bed to his knees. In a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by the presence of God. And then it goes on to say, Save for a few brief moments of temptation, the thought of drink has never returned. And at such times, a great revulsion has risen up in him. Seemingly, he could not drink even if he would. God had restored his sanity. I don't know, when I read that, I get like goosebumps because that's just so powerful to me. And I'll tell you, just for today, I do look at food sort of confused now. When I look at these big things, and I'm like, I don't get them. I don't get them which I'm grateful for. And, you know, one thing I'll end on, you know, and like most of us, I ate frozen food, and I ate food that was supposed to be cooked. Who knew? I didn't know. And uh, I was a compulsive overeater before microwave ovens, and, you know, and I told this, I used to stick the frozen pizza in my windowsill hoping the sun would cook it. It was before me for five minutes, and that was it. I ate frozen pizza, disgusting, but I did not care. It was never about the quality of food for me. I was never a quality eater. Pure quantity. Pure, pure quantity. So the other day, we were in ShopRite. And ShopRite has this a section, I guess they're trying to compete with Costco, you know, larger things. And they had this massive 
pork roll in burlap. I mean, massive. And immediately I was brought back to, as a kid, my favorite thing, sandwiches. I don't even know if you're supposed to cook it or not, but I sliced it with a huge slather of mayonnaise. That, to me, was heaven. And when I saw this big, massive thing, I thought, oh, my God. You know, like, I would have just been, you know, beside myself um, with this thing. So I could never have one of anything. I always had two of everything, two boxes of macaroni and cheese, two boxes of rice roni, which is why I don't need a lot of starches, because that's what I grew up with. And, you know, I know I know how to have two boxes of rice. I don't know how to have a half a cup of rice. <laughs> and I have no desire to have a half. I don't even have a desire to have a cup of rice. So I have none. And that has to be a barometer for me. So my time is up. I'm really grateful I'm here. And I just thank you all so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you.